Hello everyone, I'm Ian McAllister. And I'm Oliver Kinner. And this is Brainwaves episode 133, bringing you the best in tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of Monday the 13th of November 2023. Devil Pig Dissolve. Messer Essen in a mess. Tabletop designers have a new ally. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. On October the 26th, Arnold Sharpanetier, the CEO of Matico and owner of the board game strategist, sent this email to the rest of the team at Pig From Hell Games, a company that had formerly been called Devil Pig. They're the publishers of the Heroes of and Age of Towers series of games. Gentlemen, I would like to inform you that by judgment dated October 25th, 2023, the Commercial Court of Bordeaux has pronounced the opening of judicial liquidation proceedings against the company Pick from Hell Games. As a result, the company ceases all operations as of today. The court has also appointed Celar Fila as liquidator. The letter will contact you in order to proceed with your dismissals on the one hand and to request payment by the wage guarantee agency of your wages due on the other. I wanted to inform you of this. Kind regards, Arnaud Charpentier. The board game strategist bought Pig from Hell Games a few years ago, back when it was still called Devil Pig Games and was in financial difficulties. The team at Pig from Hell Games have spoken to Board Game Wire about what's happened and also posted on Board Game Geek. From the Board Game Geek post by the team of Jan Urhat, Clement Surratt, and Jules Canal. We can only imagine the courage it took for him to tell us in this way, with such humanity and compassion. Not to mention the lack of respect for the community you showed by not communicating with you about the situation. Everything was done behind our backs without keeping us informed. But we weren't surprised. Opacity and lies have been his way of running this company from the start. In a statement on BoardGameGeek, Clement says that Arnaud had shared concerns about the financial health of the company, even going so far as to persuade Clement to get another member of staff to resign to ease the burden on the company. Instead, Clement terminated his own contract till the end of November this year, while continuing to work on Heroes of the Pacific, the most recent Kickstarter the team had funded. That campaign had raised €147,098. His co-designer Jan was then fired and is now in the process of suing the business. The statement from the team goes on to say, With these three salaries saved, it seemed to us that the company's financial situation would allow the delivery of Heroes of the Pacific and a light follow-up of the Rangers. That's why Jules and Clam didn't slam the door and kept on working, encouraged by Arnaud, to deliver the files on time, which they managed to do at the end of the summer, just one month behind schedule. Once this task had been completed, Arnaud insisted that we start preparing a Kickstarter campaign for Heroes of Stalingrad version 2. It was also decided that we should simultaneously carry out graphics and editing work for a third-party game published by Matago. This situation lasted throughout September. Arnaud then asked us to stop working on Heroes of Stalingrad, and on September the 29th, 2023, he announced that Pick from Hell's credit card had been hacked. He told us no more, but a few days later, the pledge manager was shut down without warning. It goes on to detail the team discovering that orders on the Pigs from Hell Games website were no longer being fulfilled, and were told by the company responsible for deliveries that they had been instructed to not deliver Pig from Hell Games. Orders were still being taken by the website, and they do not know if those will be honoured. The website closed its doors on the 11th of October, again without any warning to the team. A message was posted in its place without the team's consent. It said, 
DevilPick Games is facing serious difficulties due to recent unforeseen and brutal events beyond our control. We are making every effort to find a long-term solution, but until this has been fixed, we are stopping all operations. As soon as these troubles cease, we will resume our activity and inform you. When they asked Arnaud for more information, he informed them that... I can't tell you anything before October 26th. By the way, can you deliver the files for that third-party game? The team refused, and the saga seemed to come to an end with the email we read to you at the top of this piece. Now, this, to me, seems like some incredibly callous behavior from Arnaud. Um, if, I mean, companies struggle, they go under, it happens, but communication's kind of key. To not tell the team directly what's going on just seems just terrible. They're just, they were just left not knowing what's going on and having to sort of put out these statements. I was going to say, there's, if there's no communication, we say time and time again, talk to each other, let people know, let, well, certainly the team know, I mean, internally, let alone uh, backers of Kickstarters and external people as well, customers. I mean, yeah. I don't know anything about Pick from L Games, but seeing that the CEO of Matigo does something like this clearly yeah. indicates there's something serious going on. It's really bizarre. Yeah, it's not um, good. It doesn't look good for Matigo either. And I wonder if there's no. some questions being asked about his behavior from the teams internally at Matigo because they're a relatively big company still. Yeah, I would say so. Well yeah. known anyway, so. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, over from France to Germany. Yes, thanks to Giles Bennett from our Discord for bringing this to our attention. Messe Essen, the company that owns and runs the Essen Convention Center, has recently been hacked. The Essen Convention Center is where the Spiel Essen Fair, the largest board game convention in the world, takes place every year. They sent the following out in an email to customers who have previously used the company's website to buy tickets to events in the center. Unfortunately, Messe Essen has become the target of a hacker attack. So far, unknown perpetrators penetrated our visitor ticket system and possibly attempted to carry out a so-called ransomware attack. The immediate measures included the commissioning of a certified IT security service provider and cooperation with investigative and data protection authorities. Despite these immediately taken protective measures, according to current knowledge, addresses and email data, no invoice or credit card details, of customers who have made purchases in our online shop could still be affected. We are working at full speed to investigate the exact circumstances, but can assure you that visitor tickets already purchased online for one of our upcoming fairs will remain valid in any case. We very much regret the circumstances and thank you for your understanding. We did reach out to uh, Ms. Essen for a comment, asking them about what steps they would be taking to prevent such occurrences in the future. Now, at the time of recording, Friday the 10th of November, we have not heard back from them. Now, obviously, companies get hacked. We've probably mm-hmm. seen various stories in the news. Messi Essen is obviously a big target. They obviously run ticketing for various events as well. I don't, th- yep. don't know whether there's any events that actually run their own ticketing system, but as far as I know, Spiel Essen was one of them who used their systems. Now, the good thing is, uh, being German myself and, and knowing a little bit about the data protection laws in the EU, they are very strict over there. So I'm sure Messi Essen is working very hard and there's probably various authorities keeping an eye on them as well to make sure they get to the bottom of this or at least reveal as much or try and discover as much information as they can about the hack. Obviously, if it's just address and email data, I say just in quotes, obviously, you know, that's probably not as bad if it was also credit card details and other information, but even just address and email data is obviously an issue. So 
if you have bought anything or attended any events and bought tickets for Mr. Essen or even a tribute lesson, maybe just double check, keep an eye out on things. Um, if you're really concerned, maybe do speak to your bank and maybe get a new credit card. But as I say, it sounds like it's just address and email data. So we'll see. Let's let's hope that there's some update and they find out what's actually happened and stop it from happening in the future. Yeah, we'll bring you updates on that if we hear more. Now, speaking about some tabletop designers. Over the time Brainwaves has been around, we have touched many times on organizations of game designers across the world. They exist to guide new and seasoned designers to the potential legal minefield of signing games, publication, publisher relations, and more. There are organizations in France, Germany, Australia, and New Zealand with different levels of official status and the kind of support they provide. Now there's a move to start something in the United States called the Tabletop Game Designers Association. The three founding members of the association are Elizabeth Hargrave, designer of Wingspan, Fox Experiment, and the currently crowdfunding Undergrove, Sen Fung Lim, co-designer of Mind Management, and Jingashi, Blood in the Banquet Hall, and a psychology teacher, and Jeff Engelstein, co-founder of the Lodology podcast, designer of the Expanse board game, Space Cadets, and Super Pinball Arcade, amongst many other games. The organization introduces itself like this on its page. TTGDA is a new organization dedicated to supporting tabletop game designers. As the tabletop game industry grows and the number of designers, both independent and within publishers, skyrockets, the need for support has grown. Launching in Q1 2024, TTGDA will support designers of all types of tabletop games, including board games, role-playing games, card games, miniature games, and others with a mass market, speciality, or hobby. The organization will be built on three pillars, advocacy, professional development, and community. At launch, it will offer contract reviews, advocacy, and dispute mediation with publishers, a newsletter with industry updates, and model contracts. Model contracts are pre-prepared contracts that contain standard terms and conditions for specific contractual relationships, like, gain, uh, like an employer-employee relationship, for instance. As the organization grows, it hopes to offer more services, including discounts to conferences and peer mentoring. I think it's a great thing. I think it's a sign of maturity in the industry that these kind of organizations are forming to protect and advise people. I think there's a similar organization in Germany, Oliver? Yes, the uh, German Spielautorenzunft, uh, or SAZ, uh, is working very actively to help game designers. Um, they're obviously very active in the European Union, and apparently they also have like little branches in Italy and the Netherlands. Oh, great. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've, I've followed them on Twitter and other social media, and they, they keep posting advice and things. So they're definitely very active. And if this US organization is anything like that, it's going to be very successful, I reckon. And certainly, as I say, it's something needed. I mean, just looking at model contracts, like, you know, if, if you're just starting out as a designer and you want to maybe, you know, p give your game to a publisher, you, know, you don't know where to start. So if there's like a contract out there that sort of says, yeah, those are standard terms and conditions, this is how it might work would make my life easier if I was starting out as a designer. So, no, it's great to see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Board Game Wire, which is a site we really recommend, lots of tabletop industry news on there. Uh, they had an interview with two anonymous game designers um, sort of in relation to the announcement of this organization and some of the stories they told of, like, contracts breaking down and publishers not talking to them were sounded pretty horrible. So hmm. hopefully this kind of organization can stop that kind of thing happening or at least help out when it does. Exactly, yeah. That sounds good. Now let's go on to a couple of updates from previous stories.
Back in episode 129, we reported that Handiwork Games, a Scottish publisher of tabletop RPGs, had been the victim of a theft of close to $25,000 worth of stock from the US shipment for one of their titles. Handiwork have recently put out a post laying out the whole story and it's quite the tale with some real heroes to be celebrated amongst the incredible stress and troubles that the Handiwork Games team endured. We recommend you give the full story read but we would just like to quote from the last paragraph of this, as it includes some shout-outs to people who need to be recognized for the hard work and helping the team out. So this is from uh, John Hodgson, who wrote the piece on Handiwork's site. I can't fault anyone in the US who is wary of backing us again after such a long wait for Twin Seas. But we never give up, and I'm very grateful to the people who have not given up on us. And huge thanks to Jamie at GMS Logistics, who was brilliant throughout, Mark at Nightfall Games, and Chitin at last mile. We've made it to a place where we can go back to Kickstarter and ask for the support we need to mend our damaged ship and push forward to the next adventure. Yeah, I'm really glad this came out well. I I, I know John and uh, quite a few of the team at Anywhere Games. Uh, they're they're not exactly local to me, but they're pretty close by. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's I'm very glad it came out okay. It could have sunk them by by the look of the story to find that you're like initially they thought yeah. the stuff had gone missing and then to see it like being sold on ebay and obviously a theft and there's all sorts of little details in there that a, a cop who like took up their case and like helped them out and all sorts just, just give it a read it's kind of extraordinary yeah i mean definitely thinking back of that story it was nice to see that this is now coming to a conclusion i think at yeah. the time they said they're sort of getting there and they're all right but then, yeah you know, but just to see that this was starting to be resolved and they got through it all and back on Kickstarter and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, always these stories <laughs> tug at your heartstrings and you think, oh my God, what's going to yeah. happen? But it's nice to see that they got through it. Absolutely. We've got some TV news, Ian. Now, we don't cover TV very often because we're a board game podcast, but uh, last time on the cast, we covered the creation of the Wizards of the Coast TV channel called D&D Adventures. At the time, we didn't know how viewers would access that channel. It has recently been announced that you'll be able to watch it on Freevee and Plex. Both of these platforms will use marketing as part of their funding with an ad break about every 20 to 30 minutes, almost like sort of regular TV broadcast. Now, Freevee and Plex should be accessible on most smart TVs worldwide and probably accessible on your mobile phone as well. So it'll be really easy to access those shows. Nice. I might have to download onto a Fire TV stick. <laughs> See what <Yeah>. happens. <laughs> I, I've got Plex on my uh, smart TV. I've got like an LG. So I think you can find it on most modern smart TVs. You should be able to find the Plex app. And Freebie is mostly accessible through like Amazon Prime or oh, sorry, Amazon sort of app on. Yeah. So you don't need to be signed up to Prime. It's a, it's a free service. Let's go move on to some news and a bit of uh, black and white storytelling. Yes, uh, quite. I was trying to get that pun in myself, but there we go. <laughs> anyway, in a paper dated 30th of October 2023, Hiroki Takizawa announces that the game of Othello, one of the world's most complex abstract strategy games, has been solved. Computationally, that is. That means there's now proof that when both players play a perfect game, meaning neither of them makes any mistakes... Othello will always end in a draw. This proof has been eluding computer science for a long time because Othello has around 10 octillion, that is 10 to the 28th power or one with 28 zeros uh, game positions. So obviously, yeah, quite a big space to search. 
The paper says that it weakly solved Othello for a 8x8 grid, which means we now not only understand the value of the initial position of the game, but can also develop a winning strategy with reasonable computational resources. So while traditional Othello software has used heuristics to play the game, solving the game now allows new software to play it perfectly. The paper describes the method used to solve Othello, several findings as results and implications of the research. The raw data and programs to reproduce the results are available on GitHub, Zenodo, and Figshare. The paper itself is available on the Cornell University website archive.org as a PDF download, and we'll put a link to it in our show notes. So yeah, um, interesting. I, I quite like this sort of solving things like chess, like Othello, like all these sort of more abstract two-player games and being able to sort of, yeah, say, here's the starting position, this is the outcome, this is how you would play. So yeah, maybe if I use this research, I'll be able to beat one of my friends who's very good at Othello. I don't really play it. And a little gone. And will people now be posting angry comments on the Othello Board Game Geek uh, forums of like, Othello has now been solved, it is worthless as a game. Etc. Yeah. Etc. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes <laughs> happens when games are solved in air quotes. There's probably not enough replayability in Othello anyway. So there we go. I mean, um, I, anyway, I played a bit, a bit of my youth, but I don't, I don't want to copy right now. <laughs> Here's a little uh, gem for me. It's the German name for Othello is Reversi, so which is basically reversing the settings. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why specifically, but there I we go. Can't remember the last time I played Othello. A long time ago. <laughs> yeah. What do I? It's called Othello. I've never actually worked that out, but never. No, it is what it is. Speaking of names, Ian? Yeah, in a recent update to the 7th C 2nd Edition Kickstarter, that's an RPG about sort of swashbuckling adventures, this announcement about the ongoing involvement of the lead designer and creative director for the game, John Wick, was made. John Wick recently posted on social media that he is no longer with Chaosium. That is correct. We agreed with John that he could make an announcement about his departure at a time of his own choosing, which he has now done. Everyone here at Cosium wishes John well. As per previous Kickstarter updates, Cosium remains focused on getting the two 7th C Kickstarters, 7th C 2nd Edition and 7th C Kitai, reward ship to backers. Mike Curry remains with the company, and we are evaluating our options about how to best proceed with the 7th C line after the Kickstarter fulfillment is completed. Mike Curry is a line editor for Chaosium and is specifically on the Katai line for the 7th C RPG. Now, John Wick came to the tabletop world's attention during the height of Legend of the Five Rings popularity in the 1990s. He was employed at AEG, uh, Aldrich Entertainment Group, to make the well-regarded RPG of that property. While at that company, he was also lead designer on the original 7th C RPG, which is a game set in a sort of alternative Europe full of swashbuckling, magic, and pirates. 7th C Second Edition funded back in March of 2016 and had loads of stretch goals, some of which remain unfulfilled at this time. Now, I was a backer of that RPG back in the day. Uh, I occasionally get notifications from Drive RPG that I've got a new book in my Drive RPG library. <laughs> it was a big, big Kickstarter. Like, I can't remember how much money it took in, but it took in a lot at the time. Uh, everyone was very excited about it. I think the second edition kind of landed with a bit of a whimper uh, rather than a bang. It didn't really catch far as much as I think that they wanted to, but they still have all these books to push out, obviously. And it also contained all the original 7C RPG books, so everyone who backed got those as well for some ridiculous small amount of money, like $20, I think the digital edition backing was. Now, putting my speculation hat on for a moment, I think this sounds like Chaosium have maybe had some creative differences with John Wick. Maybe they've gotten a bit tired of waiting for everything to be done. 
and they mm. kind of want to be finished with that project and, and move on from it because no yeah. doubt backers are a bit annoyed having waited and now seven plus years to get everything. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, we know Kickstarters can take a while, but uh, seven years is going a bit far. Yeah, I mean, it's not the longest Kickstarter I've heard of for sure, but, no, but... It's, certainly, it's certainly heading in that direction. Now, Oliver, a little update about our friend Lynn Cadega. Yes, Lynn Cadega appeared on the cast at the start of the year as they'd covered the OGL controversy is looking for a new job. There were one of 23 people who were fired across the GO media portfolio a couple of days ago. If you're looking for one of the best writers we have read this year on gaming and pop culture, then please get in touch with Lynn. We'll put links to their social media accounts in the show notes. Now, I've not spoken to Lynn directly. I've also heard no, neither have I. That. But yeah, I've, I've just, you know, just reading their, even just on Twitter, following them there and, and reading what they talk about is, is so interesting. So I, I can only assume it's definitely a valuable person. There's obviously yeah. something going on at GeoMedia that we're not aware of. Obviously, AI might, sorry, AI might come to mind as well here. Um, I mean, there yeah. was definitely a Gizmodo published an AI article earlier in the year. I know Lynn and several others railed against it. Uh, it was a Star Wars thing, if I remember rightly. I think we touched on it at some point in one of the previous casts. And yeah, it's just a, a lot of these multimedia companies who own like a lot of different websites are struggling to find out or figure out how to like make money in the current age. One of the ways they're deciding to do that is to fire people and like employ mm. cheaper people. And I don't really see that as a good solution. Lynn attracts a lot of attention. They cover a lot of awesome stuff in gaming, pop culture. They write incredibly well. And yeah, to get rid of them just seems absolutely madness to me. But I mean... Yeah, these companies are str struggling, but yeah, I think they're idiots for doing it personally, but yeah. I was going to say, I think Lynn, well, I hope anyway that they'll find something else very quickly Yeah, too. their quality of work. So yeah, fingers crossed anyway, and we'll keep an eye out, certainly following them on Twitter. Yeah. See what happens. Absolutely. Now, moving on to jobs, opportunities, events, there's very little report. Um, just a usual shout out to the Tabletop Jobs Facebook group, which has the odd uh, ad posted there, some in America, some in the UK. I don't know. I don't really follow it. Ian, anything you've seen recently? Yeah, there's been a couple of jobs based in the UK um, recently. But other than that, I can't think of anything specific off the top of my head. But yeah, do check out. There's jobs all uh, all over the place, mostly America, but there's some UK stuff as well and a couple of other countries in there as well. Now that leaves me to give a shout out to our Patreon supporters. We have executive producers Kevin Bertram from Ford Soccer Games, James Naylor of Naylor Games, and Sean Newman from the Gamelot team. If you want to become a patron yourself, find us on patreon.com slash thegiantbrain. There's various other ways of supporting us. Just go to giantbrain.co.uk and find the link to our supporters page. If you want to treat yourself to some nice dice, there's FanRoll, fanrolldice.com with promo code ROLLWITHBRAINS. And finally, given the days are getting colder, get yourself a nice hoodie. I believe there is one um, from the Sir Meeple um, store, sirmeeple.com slash collection slash the hyphen giant hyphen brain. Well, that was a bit of a tongue twister there and a few letters I stumbled over. 
been any any outros you might want to follow up with? Nice link. Now, Jamie can be with us tonight, but I know he would want us to cover the latest addition to the Scrabble canon. Yes, not Monopoly, but Scrabble this time out. Scottish Gaelic is coming to the world-renowned word game. Now, although Gaelic is not widely spoken in Scotland, there are many efforts to keep the language alive, and you can even learn it on language app Duolingo, which Jamie is currently doing. Director of the non-profit organisation Antach Kelly, sorry if I butchered that name, Dr. Tierlach Wilson spoke to Scottish newspaper The National about how excited they are for the game's release. I enjoy playing Scrabble, and I've wanted to play Gaelic Scrabble for a long time. Because of the popularity of the game, I think it will give the language a much-needed boost. It will also be a welcome addition to our Wii gift shop in the Gaelic Cafe, and I think that will really help with our revenue and social impact. The game will be available from the organization's website at the start of December. Now, if Jamie was here, I'm sure he would say something clever in Gaelic, but I have nothing really to say about that. It's good to see the language uh, getting getting into something a little bit more popular. Gaelic is still taught in Scottish schools uh, here and there. It's not everywhere, but it, it it is taught. You'll see like Gaelic uh, road signs and all sorts all over the place and there's still an effort to keep the language alive though I think it's something like sort of 50,000 people or something like that across Scotland speak it at the moment uh, it'd be interesting to see if a, uh, a game like this uh, sparks a little bit of interest in the language and certainly adds to the collection of any Scrabble collector indeed there we go anyway folks we're going to leave you there for now it's a little short one this week because there hasn't been a whole lot of news over the last couple of weeks Thank you very much for listening. If you like what you've listened to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rain on your podcast host of choice. iTunes especially helps. You can follow Oliver on his blog. That's table.gamesblog.com. You can come and join our Discord and there'll be an invite in the show notes where we talk about the news and um, all sorts of things, board games, card games, computer games, all sorts of things. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter still. We're on there at the Giant Brain. Though we're mostly on Blue Sky these days and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Our Instagram is GiantBrainUK. We're still on Facebook, The Giant Brain, and our main website is GiantBrain.co.uk, where you can find all my writing and the podcast as well. And if you'd like to email us about anything in the show or anything you'd like to cover, or if you've got comments on any of the news stories we've covered, do email us or get in contact with social media. Our email is GiantBrainUK at gmail.com. Thanks very much for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. See you then. Thank you. Bye. Bye.